Hey everyone, happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. You're laughing, but we're going. We're going. Okay, Sarah. here oh, we are. Yeah. Welcome to Legacy Matters. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for tuning. Let's <laughs> just stop. <laughs> hi, just, I, hi love Jim. I love it. All right, so we're Sam, all here. We all are here today. All, yep. All Sarah's three of back us. with us. She's Happy Monday. Back from Tequila Country. Tequila wine country, country, whatever it was last time. Right. Yeah, you were in Tequila. That was literally Tequila Country. It was. Jim, so Jim likes to uh, talk about the places Sarah has been by what alcohol is found sure. there. Even though Sarah's not drinking that alcohol necessarily. Oh, really? Oh. Well, sometimes. But I mean, it's, <laughs> it makes I, it sound I don't know. Worse. You know. makes it sound worse than it Mexico actually is. Mexico is actually Tequila Country. It is. It is. It is. So. And you were there for like you know. I was there forever. But if, yeah. if for like a month. <laughs> for a month, I wish. You were, you were, I told you I didn't want to come back. I know. And, you guys and, kept pestering me the whole. But time. But like, if you went to we Detroit, did. he would tell say that you were in you know wine Beer country. country. Oh, yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so well, it doesn't I'm really back. matter. I'm okay. Back. Well, you're back. Thanks. Yep. Okay. Thanks, uh, everyone, for subscribing. Thanks for subscribing, for listening, yeah. commenting. Mm-hmm. Info at legacymatterspodcast.com. Oh, yes. Right? Email. Yeah. Facebook. Have, it's and it's kind of a lot of letters to type. Info at legacymatterspodcast.com. But it's fine. You, people you can, can handle do it. it. Or there's a link right on the website, legacymatters.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And then you can look through our... our uh, assorted guest list. Our guest list. We yeah. just, um, we should say we finished our third season. We did. And I want to quickly have a, a shout out. Friday night, I had too much fun at First Avenue. Oh, I you saw had just the right amount. Had of just fun. the amount when I sprained you, my ankle at First yeah. Avenue. That's <laughs> okay. Dancing right and all good. But it was DJ Jake Rude did an amazing opening set, and then the suburbs in Champoling. Yep. I have to say they're just amazing. Yeah. So two past really guests. killed it. Yep. That's cute. So out to support them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Way okay. to go. Stop playing with your microphone, you. Okay. Representing. <laughs> okay. So we are uh, warming up. It's what is it? Feels it's pretty nice out there. February. Oh, weather check. It's thirty-one yep. degrees. Big Valentine's Day weekend mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. Well, it was all good. That you were at first out for mm-hmm. Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> is that, that it? Yeah, that good? was it. Okay. Yeah, weather's kind of... That was pretty boring weather, Jim. That's okay. I mean, it seems like you could have said, well, whatever. It's fine. Sven's coming in this week. Sven, oh, we'll, right. let, we'll let Sven Sundgaard do the weather. Yeah. Can we should get you spot. a bulletin board or something. We could replace you with him. I'd maybe be okay you with that. Let's not make me sad. We okay. have a guest waiting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we do have a guest. Uh, are you introducing or am I... You do the introductions always. Well, all right. We've got Roxanne Battle with us today. We're very excited about this. <laughs> yep. Hi, so, Roxanne. Hi, Roxanne. Um, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm Thanks for thrilled to be in. here. Yeah. What uh, This is always, since we don't do any rehearsal or anything, this is the sort of awkward part where we're we're always trying to figure out, you know, do I say a little bit about Roxanne or do we have Roxanne say a little bit about Roxanne? Well, that would be a little narcissistic if I said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's telling, isn't it? <laughs> that's good of you. That's really good. Uh, we've had other guests who would have been like, well, let me tell you a little bit about myself. <laughs> let me tell you about me. <laughs> a lot about me. 
Uh, no, Roxanne, you are, uh, I think, best known in our community at this point for your time spent on air. I forget what station you were K-A-R-E, with. K-A-R-E, Channel 11, the NBC affiliate in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, and just roughly what years were you on? I, I was on from 1991 to um, 2006. Okay. Oh, 14 and a half years. Yeah, you were pretty much a staple on there. I, I was know on that. live TV every day for an hour a day for eight years. As oh, yeah. host, as host of Care, the Care Eleven Today Show, which uh, was like the local version of the Today Show, that's really what people remember me by. Ah. Uh, my co-host at the time was Pat Evans, who is still at the station. Yeah, that's right. Yep. See, and that's not my kind of TV. Daytime, yeah. you know, news stuff. So were you I on before or after the Today Show? I was. We were on right after the right Today after Show. The and Today then the, it was show. interesting too because they kept moving. They added the third hour, yes. so they pushed mm-hmm. my show back an hour, mm-hmm. and they just kept pushing the show. But we, we we started out at nine, then we went to ten, then into eleven. So, yeah. And then I had also been a, a general assignment reporter and a weekend anchor at Care TV. So it was um, the goal was always to come back to Minneapolis. This is my home, and I, I actually did very much loved the job. Mm-hmm there um until it was time to make a change make it yeah move the internet just kind of blew tv up Mm. across the country and it just wasn't the same beast anymore right yeah oh it just it did the internet really made it feel different decimated television Mm. news really when you think about it the one thing i loved about being on the news was the live element i love the fact that as i said it people heard it and particularly like before people were getting updates on their phones yeah we were the first people who could tell them something was happening, hmm. and that's oh, that doesn't happen yeah, anymore. Yeah, you're right. See, we talk about this stuff about all the time, way, but you're right. And it just and so you know, droves, but hundreds of thousands of you know people were leaving TV news and uh, were not watching TV news, and they weren't coming back, and the ratings mm-hmm. just you know, took a dive. And we didn't realize at the time it was really the end of an era. TV news would change forever sure. once everybody started getting news digitally mm-hmm. and so for me having been in television news my whole life and knowing from the time i was 11 years old i wanted to do television news uh, it was quite a change and at that time the change came and i'd been there i'd done that i'd seen that i'd covered all these different stories and i was like hmm maybe this is a sign for me to try mm-hmm. something else or and is it fair else. to say is it fair to categorize what people are getting digitally as news <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like half the time, you well, can't it might call have, it news. Some oh, of it you can, God. but some of it you can't. Right. I mean, there's it might have so much started crap. out as a legit right. Right. thing, but now right. it's it's, it's just kind of morphed. Con- they just need constant content that there's not a big vetting process. It depends. I can't say that for everybody, but right. and I don't know yeah. if if anyone else, you know, I don't know how people consume their news, but I know that for me, I've had to go back to. I've had to go back to places like TV news to find things that I trust. Now I don't necessarily watch it live, but I'm looking for I'm looking for that for news to be from a source that I know is not yeah, you know, some some Today I'm the news dot com or right. something, and that's what I like. My son, he's 26 years old, and I tell him, you know, are there two other sources out there that are printing the same thing? Mm-hmm. You know, right. and is it, you know government dot gov or dot org or you know right. um, 
you just have to be really discerning if it's coming from a reputable news organization. And you do, Sarah, you do have to vet it. You just can't take mm-hmm. everything on face mm-hmm. value anymore. No, I mean, I don't know how many times my mother has posted something on Facebook. Sorry, Ma. <laughs> she doesn't listen to anyway. And the thing about it is, is that people will read the headline and then, that's and then they think that's the story. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's not. Like no, you have to read the yeah. whole article. Right, like this whole thing that was a story that came out when Billy D. Williams said his he was fluid. Well, that was the headline. Yeah. But if you read it, that's not at all what he was saying. Yeah, you, you know, he just he was just acknowledging both his masculine and his feminine side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. Oh, but people yeah. took it to mean that, that, that Billy, he was sexually Dee fluid. Williams was sexually fluid. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the problem. Like you, it, my kids wonder wonder why I sit and read news articles so much because it's like. You know, it, it, the equivalent 50 years ago would, would have been dad would have come home with the newspaper and sat and read the whole newspaper and said, don't disturb me while I'm reading the newspaper. But to to them, I'm just on my phone like I'm like I'm playing a game, mm-hmm. but I'm actually reading news mm-hmm. because I, I got tired of just taking the headlines or the short mm-hmm. quips and not knowing what the actual story mm-hmm. was. So I... So that's how I start my day online, going through head, mm-hmm. you know, going through the reputable sources mm-hmm. that I that I like, you know, Washington Post or whatever, or New York yep. Times, and then I'm, I subscribe to this really great uh, site called Medium. They have really super great articles mm. written by you know thinkers, and some of them I disagree with, some of them I don't. And then you know what's really funny is like, I really like the Daily Show. Sure. I really like what Trevor mm-hmm. Noah does to those headlines. <laughs> it's, it's sure. I love it I too. I love yeah. the spin he puts on stuff because mm-hmm. yes. a lot of what he's saying is like. He's put some. He's a really smart guy. Yeah, totally smart. And so there's some truth in that humor. Uh huh. Oh, yes. I mean, to be a good satirist, you have to have a, a sense of the truth and yeah. a biting sense yeah. of the truth. I was in, yes, a biting sense of the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with John Oliver. Um, and then I I like to throw in the the most trusted news source that I have on the right. Just if I'm looking for a more conservative one is The Hill. I don't know why, but they're a little bit right-leaning. But if I can get it in like three spots and The Hill's hitting it too, then I know that I'm actually reading yeah. the news. Yeah, and, and I think that's a, that's a really good yeah. way to, to address you know the whole thing But is this really news? Is, is, and that's why I tell my kid, it's like, did somebody else print the same thing? Are you seeing this across different sites, right. reputable sites? And then you can pretty much trust that it's... Even if there's you know. a different spin or a different take. Right. You know, that's that's fair. Everyone's, you know, you can have a different perspective on it maybe, but it's news if it's in those places. Mm-hmm. So. so the other thing is, you know, kind of in, in line with this is clickbait, right? All of the news articles out there that you're talking about, Billy D. Williams, where they try and make things very sensational. Um, or I'm just who was I talking to about the whole Meghan Markle Prince Harry? Oh, who yes. was I? I was we talking to somebody talking. about that. We were chit- and I'm about it. kind of you know in moments when I just need a break and I'll kind of dive into it. But I'm like, do I really need to know all this stuff about them? No, I don't really care. Right, right. And some um, of it's just purient, but and, you know the fly yeah, in the, the wall kind of, and all of that. You know, it's a time waster, and then it just makes me feel stupider. <laughs> You know, it does. It does. And I should that know better. That is the worst feeling, like, in the right? morning. So I get up, too, and I check my phone, and I hit the news. But then, but then, you know, it's only, you know, a quarter inch away is, like, the other button, and I'll click on it, and then I'll get sucked into something, know. you know? And then a half hour goes by, Sam's calling me, and I'm like, oh, my God, I just wasted a whole half hour right. on, like, And you became nonsense. dumber. You spent a half hour becoming dumber I, in the morning. I know. That's celebrity know. journalism, and we're all kind of to blame, or right. I'm going to blame myself, because I do. 
So, Roxanne, you said, I mean, you knew you wanted to get in the news when, when you were 11? I was 11 years old. Hmm. Yeah. And I envy did, people who I do know. that. Who, who knows? Yeah, yeah how like, did you know? Oh, like, I was, it's, I, I can, I remember the day I was standing in front, and I was in the family room, TV was on, Barbara Walters was interviewing some young little starlet, mm-hmm. and, I, and I remember Barbara said, you're shaking, and your hair is shaking, I remember Barbara said that, and then she asked the starlet a question, and the starlet answered back. And that exchange of, wait a minute, if I ask somebody something, they'll answer me? They'll tell me what I want to know? I was uh-huh. just struck, struck by Struck that. you at 11 because no one ever did before that? Or well, what? I, well, I had four, four brothers uh, and no sisters, so that should yeah. tell you a lot about and, and me. Right? You, where do you fit? I was in? second to the youngest. Mm. Okay. Oh. So that should tell you something. Yeah, That's it does. Weird. That's revealing. If right? I ask... Cool. What? You, that's why you're cool. You have to have older brothers. I thought I'd get that get the snot beat out of yeah, me. Yeah, sort of, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, I mean, there's a. We've talked about this before. It was Chris Coleman, remember? Yeah. And I made I made everyone really uncomfortable. I no, do not beat up your little sisters, but but beat them up a little bit. You know, in the right way. Like, that was uncomfortable. It. It's, I'm uncomfortable now too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, they made me very independent. Yes, and yes. and and I think because I they were all off doing their own boy things, or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, that it left me to explore and to create. And when I saw this exchange, if I ask somebody a question, and they'll answer me. They'll pay attention to me, and they'll tell me what I want to know. And I always had sort of a sense of curiosity. You know, I always wanted to know why. You know, my mother would tell me that I was always asking why, why, why. And so it just <laughs> fit, fit right in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, my great grandmother was a writer, my mother told me. And my mom, about the time I saw this exchange on TV, sent me to create a writing classes in the summertime. And I started writing and, you know, telling short stories and stuff like that. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. Wow. And I started wearing little suits. They called me the little businesswoman. Seriously. Oh, you know? my God. A little bow with a bow. A little bow. Yeah. Oh, I with love a bow. that bow stuff. With a bow. That's so cute. So yeah. I can't even imagine, like, I mean, I, when I, I mean, I can't imagine, like, thinking, like, so you're like, I want to be on TV. I want to be on TV. I want to ask questions. You want to ask questions. I want to ask questions So it wasn't necessarily stories. that you wanted to be on TV, but you want to be on, you want to be able to ask questions. I want to be able to ask questions because I also studied theater arts at the time. Okay. And I was, I was, torn between the two and then by the time I got to the University of Minnesota um, <laughs> I, they, I, I w- was writing for the Minnesota Daily and on my first assignment and they sent me down to Kaufman Union to cover a story I wrote the story I brought it back and it was so bad they, they didn't print it <laughs> yeah that <laughs> happens but they looked at me and said you know given your theater arts background and everything like that I think you should go upstairs and see those people in broadcasting yeah Cause, and so that's how I got into Television uh-huh. news. Where did you so, grow so up? So they, they basically, sorry, but they basically told you you're not a good enough writer. You but suck as a but you, journalist. But, you can, but you'd be great. But you'd be great on TV. Uh, yeah, that's, okay. that's sweet. <laughs> Where did you grow up then? I grew up in St. Paul. In St. Paul? Yeah, oh. I'm a native. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the river. Oh, on the other side of the river. On that oh. side of the river. Oh, yeah. Right. What is that? Right. It's, a, it's a running joke. What yeah. is that? Oh, yeah. No, if, I mean... Well, Minneapolis, St. Paul, there's always like this, you know, but now your buddy Chris said we're on the actual St. Paul side of the river. We are on the east bank of the river over here, right? but we're still Minneapolis. Yeah. Let's be fair. We are. 
<laughs> it's so, Chris Coleman. Yeah, I just saw him last night at Chusey. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna do this with you all. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, don't. Don't. They like to antagonize. Oh, I just sit here quietly. That's always we love St. Paul. Paul. We love well, St. Paul because like every Wisconsin, time I go to like, St. Paul, like, like, like you know, yeah. I get lost. The streets oh. are a little weird. You know, they are. They're, they're a little they're weird. confusing. Too. Well, and people so in St. Like, Paul feel the same way about people in Minneapolis. Like, yeah, maybe I'll never see you again now that you moved over to Minneapolis. Oh, <laughs> well, I live in the Minneapolis. I live in the Uptown area. Oh, and I actually love it there. Oh yeah, uh, but see? I get over to St. Paul weekly. Uh-huh. Do you? So, right. Yeah. So I'm a Twin Cityan. Okay. Then. Yeah. My time is equally yeah. divided. Mm. Okay. One of my favorite things. So, uh, my aunt lived in St. Paul, and we would go over and get her. And we'd always drive by the caves as a little kid, you know? So I'd always be, like, fascinated when we'd go over to St. Paul. I'd be like, are we going over to St. Paul? Can we drive by the caves? <laughs> Jim, you know? I, I spent my senior prom in that cave. <laughs> Did you oh, really? There was a guy. We, went, we wore white. We oh, wore white. And there was choice. a guy with an upright piano with an open-collared sh- shirt oh. playing uh, songs on the piano. And there were peanut shells on the floor. That was my. There was a restaurant in a cave, and that was my prom, my senior prom. Oh, that was oh so it yeah. wasn't illegal. That. Like you weren't there illegally. No, no, yeah, there was a restaurant. I in a remember cave. that. Okay. I never. I so I did not. I, I mean, I kind of remember it and kind of don't remember it. I remember going to the caves then when I was a teenager, and it was like. Then we just snuck in the. Yeah, cave. no, this was legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that, we, that we've restaurant had a conversation was super about cool, this before. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it yeah. was. Was yeah. it? Was it nice? I was in a white dress. Yeah, and <laughs> there were peanut shells on the yeah. floor. Right, so, right. Not so your dress got a little dirty. Yeah. it was a little. A little I was like, dirty. I was like, okay, this is different. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Oh my gosh! But I, were, were there chandeliers hanging from the ceiling and stuff, or was it like all I dimly the, lit? All I remember is the guy, the piano, and the peanuts. Oh god, yeah, <laughs> an upright piano. Yeah. Yeah, any place with Very peanuts on the floor. Any peanut okay. bar, I always thought that was crazy. I that, well, I haven't recalled that memory in forever. That's the first time I've recalled that in quite see, a while. Anyone that, <laughs> sits, <laughs> anyone that sits in that seat always says something that they've never shared before. I was so fascinated by those caves as a kid, like going over to my aunt's house. I mean, I'd be like, can we slow down? Can we just drive by it? Can we? Go, can I go in, you know? It's too bad that, I mean, I mean they're, they they were so unsafe and People yeah, died and yeah. kids yeah, died yeah. and stuff. I mean, was, they, but right. there, there's such a history there. I wonder if that'll ever be resurrected. Right. My first and last four-way foray into the caves, senior prom. Yep. Oh yeah, just the one time. One time. That was it. That was it. That was it. Okay. Well, I got home from prom at nine o'clock at night. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> oh. I get what that means. I don't we can talk leave about that alone. All right, moving on from yeah. the caves of St. Paul. Okay. So now, now that I think about it, who takes you to the caves? This is what I'm trying well, to it say. Yeah. It just sounds cool. That's my point. Yeah. yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. I, get I get it. it. Too. I'm picturing something way fancier than I'm sure what was there. <laughs> I'd venture to guess there were not chandeliers <laughs> yeah. in the cave. Yeah, it doesn't I'm seem to go hand in hand. I put that out there. I want a fancy cave restaurant. Yeah. Then. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> okay. All right. No <laughs> <laughs> more caves. All right. So, Roxanne, so what are you so what are you passionate about right now? What are you working on right now? 
joy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well-being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and using, you know, my life experiences and my my journalism, my writing ability to help people find joy um and that's taking on all kinds of different shapes i i uh i've learned a lot about myself since leaving television news and i realized i am an empath Hmm. you know i i intuit and i feel things and Mm -hmm. i think that uh that can be both a good thing and a bad thing right Mm -hmm. right that people can you know straining yes they can you know like a barnacle on the side of a ship they can just suck the life out of you if you allow them but if you channel it in a positive kind of way which i believe i've done with the book i wrote pockets of joy deciding to be happy choosing to be free and the speaking that i'm doing in the well-being spaces i'm i'm just consuming volumes of information on well-being and mindfulness and positive psychology that absolutely fascinates me that you can rewire your brain to feel positive emotions if you learn certain tools and techniques and so i'm i'm reading about that stuff daily and i'm speaking about it on a regular mm-hmm. basis and the more i get into it the more spaces are opening up mm-hmm. just the other night i was uh talking i was on stage uh talking about grief and the intersection between grief and joy that in moments of deep grief you can also experience profound joy and i would never think that this kind of work that i'm doing is taking me into those kinds of spaces do you think that's because we you grew up minnesota not like i i just think like the the upper midwestern in us or maybe it's american maybe it's nothing i don't know for sure but it seems like like there are cultures around the world who have knowledge of this mindfulness mm-hmm. in ways that we sort of come to it and we're like, holy crap, I can't believe that existed. And they're like, yeah. well, what's yeah, wrong we, with you? It's existed we, forever. We knew that forever, yeah. Yeah. I think it's partially cultural. I think it's partially, <clears throat> excuse me, religious. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, um, you know, Buddhism t- talks a lot of, it's, that's what Buddhism is, is this whole mindfulness. You do get a lot of that in Christianity. You know, it's about morality and integrity and doing the right thing and attaching. But not know. a lot of mindfulness. I, I, I wonder. I don't, yeah. Because we aren't taught, think about, you know, when us, with us growing up, we weren't taught how to do that. And this is something that I've discovered probably like you later in life. And it's totally life-changing about your outlook and how you can approach everyday problems. And the things that used to bother me don't bother me. And it's just that generally better outlook. But why didn't I know this 20 years ago when right. I was in my 20s and my 30s? That's exactly you know? the discoveries and, I'm making. And yeah. this whole argument about religion, like the, the book, there's a Christian because I grew up as a Christian and I pretty much practice Christian beliefs. But like, for example, I'll talk about gratitude and being grateful. Yeah, that's great, you know, but in mindfulness, it teaches us expressions of gratitude rewire the brain so that we feel even happier. Mm-hmm. I mean, the more things you find to be grateful for, the happier you become. And, and, and that's by practicing mindfulness. Is that a, is that a, and so there's these intersections, I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say, between spiritual, religious practices mm-hmm. and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, intersections, but not necessarily, uh, they're not always, sometimes they're working at odds with one another, it seems, too. Sometimes. Yeah, which is funny because it, you would think, I, I, I remember, I haven't thought about this in a long time, but I, I was in Lutheran confirmation when I was 13 or 14, whenever you do that confirmation stuff. And uh, I remember talking to my pastor about 
like not firmly believing that we have an understanding of of God as God should be understood like that I didn't see any evidence that there is a single unifying power of all you know source of power for everything that created everything but rather that like there there's enough spirituality in like I can get tearful or spiritual about seeing a mother sitting next to their kid on a park bench just enjoying the day mm-hmm. you know just looking out at the day and there's spirituality for me anyway in in the connection and the love that happens there and I don't know that def- you know religion from what I can see throughout my life has actually it can be lovely and it can really really help people a lot or it or can the converse is true it can divide oh my god it's crazy the amount of fighting right. and wars right. so what and i what i say to people i'm a very spiritual person yes. because that's what gets you into the mindfulness space mm-hmm. that if you if you center yourself and get inside yourself that's where the answers come and there's a there's a there's a spirituality to that yes religious <clears throat> religious is 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 our Religion is practices. You can be it's a spiritual person practicing a religion too, correct? Right. Yes, but you yes. can be a religious person without being very spiritual. And you can be spiritual right. without, without practicing being right. a religion. Yeah. Yes. They can all exist. And that's what I think, you know, I mean, I am not a practicing religious person, you yeah. know, but very spiritual. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. I mean, In some ways, the religion is just, it's the wheels on the bus that, that are created to get you into a spiritual yes. place mm-hmm. it's, the, yeah. it's the procedure the process perhaps and mindfulness does that mindfulness centers you it gets you to a oh certain yeah. Place. yeah what do yeah. you this brings to mind um i don't know how to phrase this when my mind changed so i moved back from new york a couple uh, years ago and i've noticed and so have my friends and family a drastic difference in my continence and the way you know i'm kind of handling myself and i think a lot of that was new york is so high pressure um that i felt kind of like this uncaged animal there and here i have friends and family i have a kind of a tighter community it's a safer space i guess if you want to say that but in new york all i did was complain I would come home and complain about my job. I complain about people and this person pushed me and blah, blah, blah. I pretty much stopped. Like you guys see me every day. I complain a little bit, but I'm not like, <laughs> but you guys know I'm no, not like, oh. You've got a much more positive. So that's changed. So now when I'm around people that are complaining all the time, it's almost like I, I've akin it to like static energy. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see it, but I feel it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can listen, but part of me only can listen for so long until I say, okay, well, what's really the problem? And is that a real problem? And you're trying to, like, reframe people's perspective because you can't take in that negative no, like you're talking you about. You can't change people. And True. I think in doing this work in the whole, you know, well-being space, there's two things that, like you, Sarah, that have helped me on a personal level. And that's one is boundaries, which I think mm-hmm. you've just described, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and giving myself permission to say I won't enter into these toxic spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been transformative. Mm-hmm. Just the people that you surround yourself with and the good energy that comes into your life and you start drawing boundaries, say, I will not subject myself to this kind of toxicity. And then the other change that's happened to me is attachment. I'm, I'm able to just let things go and not uh, harbor. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Yeah. And not harbor and rant and, you know, like 
a pit bull on a chuck roast. <laughs> you know, <just> <laughs> <laughs> you're getting in there and you're letting that things. Did you used to do that? I love that. <laughs> yeah. Pit was that you when you were younger? <laughs> I mean, I, I think the 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 unhealthy empath yeah. empath in me would get a hold of something and shake it and tenacious work it and right. just I can make this happen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but you can't really make anybody do anything. And at some point in time, you just have to know when to, for your own well. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yep. To, to cut because mm-hmm. people will the people that are more negative and are unhappy and unsatisfied with their life they look at you and it's part jealousy and it's part they're going to siphon off that positive energy for them because they want to lower you down that's to make themselves feel better you're a thousand I, I couldn't agree with you mm-hmm. more. and that's I've had a I lot of life realization that. yeah when I had Changes that realization that's when I was able to to cut bait draw those healthy boundaries mm-hmm. and work on the unattachment issues. If this isn't for me, I'll let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's yeah. so much, it's so much nicer. It makes me wonder, this is going to get, uh, we will go a little far afield here if that's okay. But it makes me wonder about the whole, the whole healthcare debate and, and how we have, you know, the healthcare debate is really more about like, how do we provide healthcare and how do we ensure people who need healthcare? These are sort of two, parallel issues and we've decided that that we would do for-profit insurance which i think the big debate is should we offer single-payer health care services it, and it makes me think like when we've got we know that people run around uh not feeling good about themselves not not being mindful in kind of a negative state all of the time and i wonder like there's so much money being made in healthcare when I think we all know that if you started teaching these things at a younger age, we would probably need the healthcare system less. I, know, I think that's where we are. Mm. I, the assumption that the healthcare system is set up to help people is erroneous. The healthcare system is set up to make money. Okay, <laughs> right. Put that right, yeah. 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 right. Put that right yes. there on the yeah. table. The new frontier is well-being. Yeah, it, what if we really really took the time to do this? Mental, pe- mental yeah. health mental well-being mindfulness because then you're circumventing a lot of this the negative activities that happen as a lack of healthy mental well-being i mean if you're depressed then you drink and then you drink and then you drink now you've got an alcohol problem right and now you need medical services and health and you've got but, but if you're stress hormones the, mm-hmm. you taught some of the tools that sarah was talking about or what i was talking about about drawing boundaries and letting go of toxicity and negativity and knowing who you are mm-hmm. and what centers you mm-hmm. you know i just find myself like making different decisions because I know who I am in my own head. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess what I was trying to say is I wonder what the debate would look like if we had, it seems to me like the, the balance is tipped toward there's more people in those stressful, not healthy situations right now than there are those who are kind of enlightened to the mindfulness and I, I call and it the matrix that but we I wonder, talk about. I wonder if the balance tipped. Like if if more of us were in, were we're starting, we're open. We're just, it, we're just it, on the cusp. We're starting. I know. We got to get there. That. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you, I mean, there are there are now apps. You know, this whole thing of telepsychiatry, uh-huh. where you can open up an app and and go through a series of of questions to help you get to a better space mentally. That didn't exist five years ago. Right. Yeah, and and the way I see it, and this is, uh, you know, being a complete minnesotan i saw this with food too if you've got if you've got more people on the one side saying like 
we don't need better food than this. This is good food, which is, you know, like not high quality food or something. And then, and then some people come in and they say like, no, the kale and all these other things you know are good for- what gets me about the whole food thing, Sam? Nutrition? Is that it's like organic food is food without pesticides and chemicals and right like that. So wait a minute, I got to pay more money to eat food the mm. way it was supposed to be grown in the first place. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. what that's, I'm saying. Because it's the system has set it up to make it. To yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it, when when the bulk of it's on one side, and then the the people who are trying to bring the change, no one likes change, so everyone's resistant to change. So you've got all the sort of unhealthy uh, practices of the past saying. Oh my gosh! Look at these scary people out there with their clean food, and they're and they're walking around thinking, uh, you know, being mindful, and and they look so healthy. And they're wearing sandals, and they don't cut their hair. Yeah, there's something wrong with them because they're not like us. But what happens when when let's say two thirds of the people are eating great food and uh, more mindful? Is that group of people gets to look at the other group that isn't doing so well and say, listen, what does you know? Don't you want to join us? Isn't there a way we can bring you over to this healthier side? So that that does need to flip. I think it's habit. Yeah. It's ingrained, and unfortunately, the media has played a role in all of that. Right? Sure. I mean, if you if you watch a, a football game or a basketball game, the commercials are pizza, mm-hmm. steak, Doritos, hamburger, yeah. and beer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, Good point. Mm-hmm. The Super Bowl. I so mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like the right. It's, it's meat and Mecca. dairy and beer. Yeah. That's what. It that, is. And if you're getting those messages all the time. I mean, there was one ad that said, some Super Bowl ad, I think it was last year or the year before, and they were talking about meat and food, and then somebody said hummus, hummus, which is one of the most healthy things sure. you can eat on the planet. <laughs> yeah, I love it. But they were mocking mocking that. So uh, it's just it's That's... the messages that we're getting in the media. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back to uh, what you were asking me, Jim, about, you know, what am I passionate about, what I love, and the fact that I've, I've tapped in, Sarah, to this mindfulness thing, this well-being thing, and I love it, and I'm talking about it, and I'm connecting with people on it, and it's in doing the work and helping people find to get to their place of joy. I'm, I'm improving it's as a person. Yeah. I'm yeah. helping my own self. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the thing, talking about this, it's the education, you know? Yeah. And specifically, because I do know a little bit about what you're doing, but I mean, sort of the outreach for women, too, and the yeah. empowerment. Yeah. That was the thing that sort of attracted me to, wow. you know, reach out to you, which is what, what happened here. Yeah. I thought what you're, I think what you're doing is really important in this, in our community. Thank you. Um, the fact that I was on television, that I uh, had some level of public recognition, mm-hmm. And then I go into spaces with women, whether it's you know women's groups or professional women's groups, church groups, mm-hmm. whatever. And I talk about my vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about that I felt sad. I talked about that I dealt with depression. I talked about that I had to find my way back after divorce. And I was a working divorced single mom on TV, trying to keep my mascara from running on the five o'clock news. How did I do that? How did I do that? The fact that I'm talking about these things and people are looking at me and they're like, oh my gosh, she didn't self-destruct. She didn't have a perfect life either, mm-hmm. even though she was on TV and mm-hmm. I thought she did. The fact that I'm, I'm willing to be vulnerable in these spaces gives people permission yep. to feel their own vulnerabilities. And what's even more powerful is they feel less isolated. Mm-hmm. This didn't just happen to me. I'm not the only one. This happened to her and she got past it. Oh my gosh, what can I learn from this? How this? I mean, just a sense of community building when you are authentic with your pain and your struggles and your foibles, 
and what got you through and you talk about it in public spaces from a place of healing haven't figured everything out I'm not you know I'm still evolving but people see that you're getting to the other side of it and that gives people hope and that hope brings people joy and it's infectious for me the more I do it the more I want to do it the more spaces I want to go in to it's 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 bringing healing and it's being healed all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I feel so alive. Mm-hmm. I feel no more alive than I finished a presentation and I'm sitting at the book table and there's a line of people and they all want to stop and tell me their story. Some of them have tears in their eyes. and mm-hmm. Or like when I was writing the book, my editor, Judith, said, Roxanne, <laughs> the greatest compliment you'll receive from this book, we, we will know that we hit the mark. If a reader reads your book and says, that's me. Uh, and every time I hear somebody look at me and, and say, that's me, it's, mm-hmm. it's like a gold coin. Mm. And I know that in my little corner of the world. Your karma. Yeah. I made a difference. Yeah. And yeah. that's all I want to do. That's really It's used as collective experience. You know, I tell people I had my walk in the sun. I was on TV for 20-something years in different markets. You know, an hour a day for five days a week, right? You know, I had the, you know, I got the nice table in the restaurant, whatever. And, the, you know, the newspapers <laughs> came and they did profile stories on me. Great. I was a celebrity, quote unquote, right? I had my walk in the sun. Mm-hmm. But I just feel that I I would be remiss if I didn't take all these collective experiences, all these wonderful people I've met, the places I've gone, the lessons I've learned, and the lessons I continue to learn even at this stage in the game about my own self. Even and in this stage of the game, you're not even old. <laughs> I know, I'm thinking the same <laughs> thing. I'm sitting here thinking like Roxanne. Like, make it sound t- like you're on your deathbed or something. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know how old I am. I, know, well, you're I have old. no idea, actually. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, you look. You got a lot I of mean, good life left in you. I'm great. guessing. I have no. I'm thinking we're the same age. You know? I, I don't know, and or I don't care. Younger. I mean, the thing is, it there is there is a world of of more positivity. You are never going to be perfect. We are never going to have everything work out the way you want it to. But it's and it's in that. It's in that imperfection that we find our way. And I we love have it. stories to tell to help other people. Mm-hmm. This one lady came up to me and she after after one presentation, she said, Can you imagine if it, life was a straight line, when we got to the end of it, we'd have no stories to tell. Yeah, yeah. that's a good way to say That is it. a good way to put it's, it. Yeah. Well, and I love that you brought tech in to not to oh. only because we can we should take a little break and come back to it. But I would like sure. to talk about the fact that I really think just the way that uh you know, you said the internet came along and kind of blew up news, no right? kind of about it. <laughs> you did, totally didn't. <laughs> it did, but, right? you know, but, but newspapers came along and blew up society for a while before we t- learned to tame that. They really did cause chaos. And then television came along and blew up society for a little while. Radio yeah, it blew up, yeah. you know. And then, like, radio is still alive. Television will still be alive. We're all coexisting. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. newspapers will still be alive. We just have a new technology we have to harness. We have to figure out what to do with it for good. That's right. And there are, you know, for, for unfortunately, the first ones in are always the ones that use it for pornography and making money. And lots and lots That's of money. That's where streaming came from. Yeah. The pornography industry. I read that somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's always the first. That was that was with Yeah. Oh, there was a movie I just recommended. What was that movie that you remember I told you? Um anyways. It was yeah. like a movie. First pornography and <laughs> internet or something like that. It was like a you know Yeah, it's but, but but what's cool is that once you start to once like 
the those who want to do good with things start to get a hold of it you can actually use these powerful tools that are out there and create things that do help people like convinced of it yeah well you're doing it right now too i'm as convinced of what sam said as i am convinced that there is evil in the world Mm -hmm. sure exists Mm -hmm. yeah you know and the answer to evil is what we're talking about Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. finding ways to harness technology to harness passions Mm -hmm. and make your corner of the world a better place Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. the answer in my view Mm-hmm. Completely mm-hmm. agree. Okay, when we come back, I also have a Yeah, Great. I know. I've got to. All right, well, that's okay. a nice little spot to take a break. Right. Okay. okay. i got my questions. Okay. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by the Andalin app, a first-of-its-kind digital legacy preservation app that allows you to digitally attach photos, videos, and audio recordings to the places and objects you love. Imagine hearing your grandmother's voice telling the stories of your family heirlooms. Preserve your memories, prepare for the future, and share with those you love. Andalin, available in the App Store and Google Play. Visit andalin.app for more information. Need some help with a construction project? Looking for thoughtful design and honest answers about what is possible and what is not? Kinetic Design Build is a full-service boutique modeler servicing residential and commercial clients in the Twin Cities. Design and build with purpose. Visit kineticdesignbuild.com to request a consultation. Packing for a trip? Let Pack Simply give you a little help by delivering travel-safe products directly to your door in an airport security-safe pouch. Unbelievably easy and surprisingly simple. Make your life easier. Visit PackSimply.com. Interested in art? James Holmberg is both an artist and an art consultant. His strong connections in the Minnesota art world give him a unique perspective on the talented pool of artists from our region. Let James guide you to an original work that will come alive in your home. Visit JamesHolmberg.com to find out more. All right. Do you want to go on a wilderness adventure with me, Sam? Or maybe you know a group of kids who could benefit from an extended break from their electronics. Or maybe you just need a break from those kids. Visit earthedfound.org for more information about how to get started. For information about becoming a sponsor of Legacy Matters, please visit LegacyMattersPodcast.com. Okay. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to surprise everyone like I normally do, and we're recording for ten minutes. It's always when Jim on. and I are saying something <laughs> stupid. Yeah, yes. I just turn it on randomly. So here we are. Right. We're back. Okay, um, Roxanne, thanks yes. for being here. Hey, I'm having a good time. Hope good. you are. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah. yeah. absolutely. <laughs> There's nothing yes. better to talk about on a Monday morning. That's it true. is Monday. Like star- I, right? I barely even you re- never know what day it is. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. feel at all like like we're Part of how because there's there's uh, two and a half three million people here in the metro and mm-hmm. we got five six million somewhere in the, like that in the state. We reach out to a lot of different people. Some people get back to us. Some people don't. We have great guests. Do you feel like it's like that's the whole universe sort of thing that's, pushing people towards? Yes. We have we have. Yeah. There seems to be this this constant drumbeat, this mission from the people who come here with us that they just want a better world where there's more mindfulness and stuff. And it's not like, I don't think we could put that together if we tried. 
the way it's worked out. I, I believe, and I see, I've seen this in my own life, that you put good out and good comes back. Mm-hmm. It's yep. just karma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, you, you're attracting the energy you're putting out. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's the that law collective of attraction and that yeah. you were yeah. just. It I just seems to be working. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. I don't know what to expect when I, Roxy and Battle comes in. I don't know who you are as a person, right? I thought you were going to ask me all these questions about, so are you going to go back to TV? And what's your favorite story? <laughs> you haven't even asked me any of that, which is great. I know. Well, because I, I, well, I think we're I really know. interested in what you're, I mean, what you're talking about is what's really interesting and, and what you're contributing. I mean, you know, it's about education. And I and, never... You know, when I wrote the book, I just wrote it because I wanted to be a book author and I thought I had a story to tell. And I never thought that it would lead me to this, Mm -hmm. but it's opened up a whole new life for me talking about how I found pockets of joy doing a really crummy time in life. I put that out in the world, and, it, and it, I'm sitting it, here talking to you as right, a result of it. Right. So we answered your question, Sam. You, yes. Yeah, you never know what it's going to do, but yeah. you, but you could have let this, this could have lived and died in you and never gotten out there. That book could have never gotten out there, and it never would have brought you to this. I get emotional when you say that. Yeah. That's, I, I gave a speech at the Town & Country Club in front of a bunch of business executives, and that's what I said. I said, it's not lost on me that I had the courage to tell my story mm-hmm. and to, to live an authentic life and to share my vulnerabilities. The fact that I had the courage to put that down on paper between two covers, and I did that, led me here, standing in front of all of you, a little black girl from St. Paul at the Town & Country Club. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not lost on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, yes, you have to put goodness out in the world, I believe, and it comes back, but that goodness is sort of uh, bolstered with courage. Mm-hmm. It takes mm-hmm. courage mm-hmm. to do that. And I think the more that authentically we live our lives, the, that, that fuels that courage. And it's like almost, it's almost symbiotic. The more courage you are, the more authentic you are. The more authentic you are, the more, more courage you have. Mm-hmm. Giving ourselves license, off, as I often say, the greatest gift we can give ourselves is being who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many people are afraid. To, so do so, you encounter people, maybe that's saying the wrong way, people are scared of that? They're scared Yes, people, mm-hmm. and that's the number. People are afraid of stepping outside of the norm. Sure, mm-hmm. stepping yeah. outside of what is prescribed for me to do in this life. Uh, they're they're afraid of being who they are because we're, think about it. We're bombarded with all these messages that this is what success looks like. This is what you have. To, our parents tell us what jobs we have to take and what colleges we have to go to, and then our what neighborhoods we have to live in. And so, if everybody's conforming, it's a frightening proposition to think about stepping outside of that. Well, and then there's a whole nother there's a whole nother group of people for whom every every day life is such a struggle that they don't even have the opportunity They to, don't have the luxury. They don't have the luxury to even think about this stuff and yeah, to think survival. about you know, so it works on both ends. I, I think about this a lot. That's um, a good point, Sam. Yeah, and on the one end you get you become so privileged that you can't get out of the struggle of you can't get you can't get out of the loop. You're caught in this thing mm-hmm. where oh, if I if I get out of this, then I won't have a good job. I won't make enough money. So you can't take a risk. You can't. You took a risk. Mm-hmm. You got jumped mm-hmm. out of the the loop. Mm-hmm. And on the lower end of the economic scale, you can't even you can't even imagine what being stuck in the loop looks like. And those people sound like assholes because they're saying I make 150 grand a year. And I got nothing. I got I got no money, and everything's my life sucks. 
And then you got them saying, yeah, but I don't even know what that would be like. I have nothing. Uh, and they can't get they can't get themselves heard and their ideas heard. That's a good, really, really uh, good empathetic point of view that it's not just as simple as live your best life. Live your authentic life. Yes, I give you that. It's not that simple. Right. Because of all the constraints and responsibilities and difficulties that life will foist upon us. But I do think it is possible to eat the elephant one bite at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I do think it's possible mm-hmm. to yeah. take one step, one small step. Uh-huh. Today, I'm going to feel a little better about mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm going to dare to dream of what could mm-hmm. be. And mm-hmm. maybe I'll write something down or ask a question or just take just a little baby Or step. hug a friend. You yeah. know, whatever it takes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. each Because everyone deserves that no matter where they are. Just and that is life. what is that's the the very essence of the human spirit mm-hmm. is yeah. to create and to be who we are and, yeah, to and peel I, away those layers mm-hmm. if we can and i think it's our responsibility everyone who everyone who has an opportunity put in front of them like this or they make their own opportunity i think you know it takes a lot of courage i agree and a lot of strength to stop doing something that feels comfortable and start doing something even you, you can be you can just want to explore you can just want to test a problem and see if you can do it and that leads you to outside of the loop or whatever but it becomes our responsibility then to make sure that you know success looks a lot more like helping other people achieve their way out Mm -hmm. whether they're on this end or that end um i would define i would define success that way i would define success as as helping other people Mm -hmm. yeah making as i said for the umpteen time making my corner of the world a little better if I can yeah. with whatever it is that I bring to bear mm-hmm. that's how I would define success yeah that's legacy mm-hmm. it, it is. is that matters it, it, it is <laughs> legacy. that for a nice little pitch Woo! line for you guys <laughs> but it's interesting I mean it, it, you know you have to you know I think of like some of the kids that I know and, and it's so important to be able to take risk but part of that risk is the vulnerability and that's an uncomfortable thing I mean it's hard to to allow yourself that space to be vulnerable you know like oh my god just you know, sharing you, your feelings you just, yeah you know all of that but having an idea having an idea and then actually sharing that idea and, and that's where it, I think safe spaces are mm-hmm. so important mm-hmm. you know you don't have to have a bunch of friends but mm-hmm. you've got to have that one soul mm-hmm. on this planet who believes in you mm-hmm. yeah. who loves you unconditionally mm-hmm. um, because they they're the ones that situation is what gives you the fortitude to, to try right. you're gonna make me cry talking about I, I worked at a I worked with kids at a boys camp for almost 20 years and when I first started I was 21 years old and I didn't you know you're 21 you do like I was excited to be there i i had fond memories of of a brief stint at camp when i was a a young kid uh so i but i was in it for me mostly but after uh i don't know it was probably four or five years a kid came back and and said something to me to the effect of like hey do you remember when i was having a really bad day and you took me out fishing and you talked about your life and about how your folks had been through a divorce and you told me your story and it just, it just made me feel better about everything. And, you know, of course I don't remember that day cause it, mm-hmm. it's those little moments, but, but a safe space, a, a, a person who cares about you, a person you can talk to the, like, 
you can do that almost anywhere mm-hmm. if you take the time to find and it. And you touched on something else that's really important. I mean, since we, you know, since we were cavemen drawing, you know, hieroglyphics on on cave walls, we've told stories. Mm-hmm. You know, the Egyptian mm-hmm. tombs. You know, they they, they, they tell stories. Oh, they went to great lengths. There is healing in storytelling in a, the shared collective. You know, the 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 collective bonfire. Um, there's just there, and I'm finding that over and over and over again. The more I tell my story, you know, the more more people are sort of encouraged maybe to tell their story. And but I guess what I'm saying is that storytelling creates connection, mm-hmm. 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 empathy, mm-hmm. and that's the bottom line of it all is relationship with mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. In the work that I'm doing in the well-being space, the number one predictor of happiness in life is the quality of our relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm relationship that's what makes us happy yeah not the job not the money not the monetary and storytelling fosters connection and relationship yeah if you get a chance to listen to it um deb malin came in and she her whole thing is uh it's literacy matters is the name of her so we're legacy matters and she's literacy matters but um but she's got a she's got a mission to give kids literacy you know by by the by age from, I think... Third grade, uh, you need to be at a certain level. It's right. a huge predictor. Carol Mighty Doodle Plus. Yes, yes, you know it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm on the board of Literacy. Oh, oh no my shit. goodness. Well, here we are. <laughs> of course you are. Well, now we feel dumb. You know Deb then. <laughs> yeah. I adore Deb. Yeah. Her kids went to my camp. That's she's, how I know She's her. so passionate mm-hmm. about yeah. the work that she's doing. You know, it's like, yeah, what I said to her is like, I mean, there are all kinds of wonderful philanthropic organizations that do all kinds of holistic work with kids. That's great. Yeah. But reading is not an option. Mm-hmm. Kids have to mm-hmm. learn how to read. And and we were in that conversation with her. Like I I've explained to my boys, like the reason I want you to read books is because you you can't get into Roxanne Battle's head. Like now I haven't used you as an example specifically, but I can't know. Unless I'm like really close to you and we sit and talk for hours and hours and hours, I can't know the stories, but if you write them down, now my 12-year-old could read that and know what's going on in someone else's head, and that's where true empathy mm-hmm. is built. You know, It can be personal connection, mm-hmm. but it also can be through reading stories. That's a- I, I, don't, people, I don't know why I wrote the book other than to say I wanted to write the book. I wanted to be an author because I love words and I've been writing since I was 11 years old. But then when I went through the divorce and how we basically, not a spoiler alert, but we, it was an, we became amicable co-parents. Mm. Good. And when I took the book to the, my editor, for, I first initially self-published and she looked at it and she said, you know, you could have taken this in a completely different direction. Mm. Mm-hmm. You could have written a woe is me story, mm-hmm. yeah. but mm-hmm. you didn't. And for that reason, you know, this, we're intrigued by this, this, manuscript that you have and so i went through the whole self-publishing process nine months after the book came out i got picked up by a trade publisher who said the same thing but then said and we want more of this we want more of what you're talking about about how to find joy in the difficult spaces and sarah that's when i started researching the whole well-being mindfulness stuff about gratitude and forgiveness (laughs) and empathy and service and generosity and positive connections and relationships and um there's just something about that that resonates with people and the spaces that we're in right now with all, you know, the vitriol and the politics. People yeah. are starving for positivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wait for it, people, because it's coming. We can't live in this. We, we, we can't do what we've done to our planet. We can't do what we've done to each other. And we can't live with this level of, of 
false anger. Like, believe me, we do not hate our neighbors as much as we pretend no. to hate what them. What is a root of anger, do you think, Sam? What, mm. what, what is fueling mm. anger? Fear. I, you Fear know. and change. Exactly. Fear, we're ignorance. afraid. Yeah. Yeah. We are afraid. That's why we're so angry. Yeah. Yeah. And if we could address the fear and calm the fear, we would mitigate the anger. Yeah. Do you remember, um, what was the first time like, like getting up and sort of doing your wellness mm. talk do you oh my gosh i used to get up on the stage with 22 pages of typewritten mm. 18 point <laughs> yeah. notes uh-huh. of course you did and i would i would <laughs> how did that go you know and i'm you know and i would be shaking sliding them from one or you know and, but i had something to say because people yeah. liked it right yeah. they liked it and yeah. so yeah. in a very short period of time within a year mm-hmm. i i don't have any notes at yeah. all and i do but I do have a PowerPoint presentation that has pictures of me from my television career because mm-hmm. that's the touch point. That's uh-huh. what people can relate to me. And they, it's kind of like a show and tell more so than a bunch of charts and graphs. And so it's more, my presentation is very visual. But I don't have any notes now. Yeah. Because, and I think I've made that leap. Because I've internalized yeah. so much of what I'm talking well, about. You just, you, it's I, all I, in there. It just oozes out of me. Yeah. As I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about that. I was like, gosh, I wonder what, what your first time around was like. Mm-hmm. Because right now, it's straight from the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, from and you. I, I, when I... Jim was preparing when I got offered, you know, when I get, when I got bookings, when people say, will you come talk to our group? Then I'd sit and just, and I, the week before, the day before, just a ball of knots because I wanted to make sure that what I was thinking, I said. Yeah. And that's why I wrote them down. Right. And um, so it was a combination of all the studying and then, and, and because I'm so passionate about the subject matter that I had internalized it. Much like, for example, when I was on television, the one thing I could not do was go live. I was abysmal going live on TV. <laughs> really? Until the, I, I would Bambi in the headlights, right? I'd be reading a script, I'd forget the words, you know, I'd blank you out right in front of the camera. And a really savvy, caring, kind producer said to me, you've got to internalize the story. You've got to know it backwards and forwards, inside and out. And now, you know, the part and parcel of my TV career was a live show an hour every day. So I, right. I made that leap. Fast forward to this stage in my life, I've made the leap again because I'm internalizing mm-hmm. so much of mm-hmm. what I'm talking about, and I'm growing and I'm learning from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I bet you're uh, pretty kick-ass at those <laughs> things because well, you because you actually believe it and you and you love it. Well, well you know, the last just I got a standing ovation once. <laughs> I bet you did. I bet you did. I mean, I also wonder then. I mean. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I got one once. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But oh, you boy. know, you are very passionate, and you are talking from the heart. And I would imagine when you look out at your audience, you can probably you know see some Feel, strong yeah. emotions they happening. Don't blink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they sit there, and then some of them are literally that literally scoot to the front of their chairs yeah, and they stare at me and they don't <laughs> blink. And then when I get to the end of the presentation and I'm talking about the fact that they've already demonstrated courage and I'm talking about the healing power of forgiveness, mm-hmm. when I'm talking about gratitude and what it does to get us to a happier space in life, you know, people will reach up to the corner of their eye and, and then, sure. um, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm just grateful that this is the path that 
I have been assigned. I'm grateful that when I stood in line in heaven and they were handing out talents that God looked at me and said, you're going to be a writer. That's mm-hmm. what you're going to do, mm-hmm. you know. And an orator. I'm, yeah, and I, I, I'm grateful that, what, you know, I could have been a ballerina or a guitar player, right? I could have been a neurosurgeon, <laughs> but I'm a writer, and I'm, I'm really grateful that that's my thing, and that the fact that I'm an orator, yeah. that I've been blessed to be able to communicate effectively and engagingly and entertainingly. I'm, I'm just grateful for everything that I've been given, even the lumps in the oatmeal. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful mm-hmm. for it because it's made me a better person. Yeah. So throughout human history, I mean, this just makes me think about this. Throughout human history, people have not had typed notes. This is, you know, we're talking however long we've been around doing this. And every culture has storytellers. Every culture has people who get up in front of people and talk. And only in, what, the last 100 years, maybe 150 years, do people stand up not prepared not not internalizing their their monologue or their dialogue and right. now so i know when we do this i feel when we have to get up in front of a group and talk about what we're doing with andalin and, and preserving people's memories the first time we did it nervous mm-hmm. yeah. i think all of us were a little oh, nervous yeah. right now i could get up there and talk all day long i like in fact they can't shut me up like you know i've got it i'll just keep That's going your passion coming forward yeah, yeah. maybe it's yeah. easier and more authentic maybe we need to get away from teleprompters <laughs> oh, so you know, much i mean I, I know the day before i speak i'm a ball of nerves sure mm-hmm. i'm a mm-hmm. ball of nerves That's and natural. i actually i even have some doubt can i do this do I, mm-hmm. like, will they like me mm-hmm. ah, give me a call right. i'll tell you you're great you know i mean <laughs> can this really be happening <laughs> really do they right. want me can yes, i make a mark you. And I'll, you yes. know, I'll, I'll go over the notes and what they asked me to do and blah 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 that's the 24 hours before i speak the, when i get to the venue and you know moments before they're introducing me by the time they get into the introduction i have made the shift from mm. oh my god i don't know if i can do this to hurry up hurry up i guess i'm gonna say before i forget Good. it yes <laughs> like one time i was invited to the speaker showcase and it was a bunch of it was like 250 meter meeting planners in the in the room it was like an audition and um my speaker rep said, give him a 10-minute speech. That's all you got, 10 minutes. I practiced that 10-minute speech 10 times a day for 10 days. So mm. that's 100. I practiced a 10-minute speech yeah. 100 times. And then when I got ready to get on the stage, I was shaking like a leaf. Because I'd never done that before, right? right? I can talk for an hour, right? But 10 minutes, right? It's so I hard. actually wrote my points on my hand, which I've never done. Yeah. I wrote my bullet points on my hand in case I got stuck. And so I was shaking like a leaf. And they gave me the introduction, and I walk on stage, and there are all the lights and the camera, and there's 250 people there. And you always want to, like, start with a joke or just kind sure. of break mm-hmm. the ice. Mm-hmm. So I told my joke, and they laughed. They thought it was really great. And once I heard the laughter, I was off to the right Yeah. <laughs> Did you give the 10-minute speech? I, nine minutes and 53 seconds. <laughs> so you kept it with the uh, – wow, that's – okay. The, and I realized, and I look back on it, and I say, Waxan, why were you so nervous about that speech? That's not like you. Why were you so nervous? And it was that. I wanted to make sure I came in on time. The time limit. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I – seven minutes. You spare. know what's interesting? As you're saying this, I'm thinking to myself, like, you're just going to be looking at it, and you're going to look over at someone and say, I'm going over 10 minutes. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. And I don't, I don't even want to – See any attitude from anybody, yeah. you know? Yeah. I got another three minutes to go, and 
here it is. It was a great growth exercise for me. It wasn't Mark Twain said, if you want me to give a speech, an like hour speech, give me a day. You want me to give me 10 minutes speech or something like that, give me a week or something like mm. that. There's right. some quote about how difficult it is uh-huh. to, to condense to, it. To condense, mm-hmm. you know, salient points mm-hmm. and still oh, be engaging totally. and still be intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that my journalism background, TV news background came into play because oh, yeah. you only have a minute Constantly. 30 to tell a but story. But I think sure. that's men. I. I honestly think there's a danger in people wanting everything to be condensed down to something ultra digestible. I think it's, I think that's born of the corporate male structure in a way. Or like, some people are just impatient. Yeah, like give me, you know, well, you got, just I know cut exactly to the chase. Where you, yeah, yeah. yeah it's you give like, me your elevator pitch. Like yeah, I, you only get three minutes the with time. the boss man, and yeah. if you can't, oh, do you? and if you right. can't wow yep. the boss man. You're out. You're a nobody. Like, give it to me straight right now or else. And it's like, well, you know what? That's sometimes, a little pompous, I think. Yeah, sometimes it things is. take yeah. a little more than that. And Well, and when things are meaningful, sometimes, you know, it takes more. And that's that's what we come up against quite a bit. You know, it's like, oh, tell me your story in three minutes. I think you it's know? a way of keeping people down some, too. Like, because there's nothing more nerve-wracking than, you know... It's it's a power thing. You've you've only that's got, what I think it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've only got a minute of time with the with the most powerful per- person you're going to meet in your lifetime. Like, well, right. I don't know. I mean, the lady I met at the grocery store seemed like an awfully <laughs> powerful lady. She was raising six kids. She talked to me for fucking twenty minutes, and you only can talk to me for three minutes. Like, right. it's this thing that just it it's falseness in a way to me. Mm-hmm. It's so, power. It's, it's mm, the, the falseness the power. of power. Right. Mm-hmm. I have the power to make you condense your life's work into a, down to a minute or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't, if you screw it up, you're, you're done. Mm. I like that. I think we need to be a little bit more forgiving. I do too. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask about, you know, Jim had touched in the first half about women's empowerment and you know, what, how do you see yourself helping the next generation of girls. And I'll tell you a quick example. So this is something that I'm very passionate about. So going through my own journey, I have a six-year-old niece and I want to teach her as best I can kind of these lessons early that I quite didn't get. So we were watching Netflix yesterday. She turned on Netflix and it was, I'm not going to name the show even though I could, but it was, (laughs) it was awful. It was, and it actually took place at a camp and it had all the stereotypical female characters and I was so appalled by it. And here I am, you know, she's six and she's watching the blonde act stupid and be the pretty one. And all, all, And I told her, I said, all of this just isn't very smart. And she ended up turning it off. And I think on her own accord, because I said it enough times, but that's something that really um, worries me about this next generation of girls between the YouTube stars, the reality stars. It's all fake. It's all superficial. There's no content or they they don't have any context to them, no substance. How can we be sure this next generation has that sense of fulfillment and they can be vulnerable and they don't have to be perfect? Two things, I think. One, and and what I say when I talk to young girls is, first of all, you're enough. Mm -hmm. You would... Whoever you are, how what you bring to the table is enough. And you, you're the one that has to believe that. The validation doesn't come externally. It comes internally. And, I, and I'm concerned, Sarah, not only about the Netflix shows that you're talking about, but like all these judge panel shows oh, with yeah. the cutaways mm-hmm. to the hyperventilating starlet and the look in their eye, please choose me, please choose me. The message that that's sending to people, it's like, you're enough. You don't need external validation. And then the second thing I, w- I would say is what unique gifts, talents, and abilities do you bring to this planet? It's like there's lots of people on the planet doing lots of different things, but mm-hmm. there's only one you 
Mm-hmm. There's nobody mm-hmm. else like you. Why mm-hmm. would you want to be somebody else? There's only one you. And it goes back to my experience with being coming a book author. There's no new idea on the planet. No. I'm not the first person who wrote a book about finding joy in the difficult spaces. But I'm the only one who has my story. Yeah. And that's where you find the validation internally is by knowing that you authentically are enough and that only you bring what you bring to this world. And to, to live here's another cliche but to live your truth in that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do you think to. it's do you think it's gonna ch- i think it's gonna change i think there's you know we were talking about the millennials i'm kind of on the cusp i guess i could be a millennial but i'm gen x right I think so, so i think the millennials gen y hmm, well anyway it doesn't matter but the the point is the millennials you know have this sense of community and then i think there is this younger generation i think there are portions of both of those that are looking at reality TV that are on social media all day every day but I am true like we were talking about before there is that group of kids that are seeing beyond that because they're more spiritual they were born that way mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. um, and they're going to have just a different perspective on how this world is going to change they're not going to be so material oriented mm-hmm. that's going to change by the time they're our age mm-hmm. so hopefully this massive I hate the word influencer I think it's awful um, what these people think they're contributing, that's going to have to slowly die away because the paradigm shift is changing. It's like what you said earlier, um, Sam, about like how radio and TV and newspaper, they mm-hmm. were disruptive mm-hmm. when they were, initi- they were initiated and introduced into society, and now they're all sort of coexisting with each other. Mm-hmm. The same thing, these, this new medium. I mean, mm-hmm. what the heck is TikTok? I just figured out Instagram. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up that. Right? I just oh, figured God. Instagram out. But th- th- they uh. will, it will evolve. It will evolve and It'll have shift. To. And we mm-hmm. ha- it has it has to. to. Yeah. And we a, have to help it evolve. It's the very It's ours, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It will evolve, and we will find our space. And I, you call me Pollyanna. I've been accused of being you know, an overt optimist, but I always <laughs> believe that light overcomes dark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have to believe yep. that because that's what gives me hope and mm. helps me try f- again tomorrow is that the light, we will find the light. Yep, you're right. Yeah, okay. I, I, um, we, I almost feel like we should leave it there, but we shouldn't. We should keep going, but you're right. I, I truly, I think that you have to understand that light, light, follows darkness you know it must we we have to find the ways that we can take ownership of the things that have come about through technology in the last few years people have done things for us and they've given us things and we have to be dubious of their motives when they're giving you these free things that what make a little girl dance for 15 seconds so that everyone can like that i don't really understand what tiktok is it's disgusting if we we put our faith in in technology then we're not fully recognizing the human spirit and what Mm -hmm. we're capable of Mm -hmm. you know when i live in uptown they're building a new apartment building and it's the same it's the same group of construction workers i see them i recognize them from their hats because i'm driving by them when i see them and it's the same group of men that that dug a knocked a building down Mm -hmm. dug a hole in the ground and then layer by layer, level by level, built this tall building from mm-hmm. everything from pouring the concrete to now the windows are coming in. Yeah. Now they're putting the bed. 
they did that with their hands mm-hmm. and with machines that machines that were created by humans to make that work easier to make that work right. easy and so when you, that to me that's just a very visual example of the power of the human spirit to create and make something out of nothing and make something better. <laughs> right. That's funny. You go well, ahead. You're laughing. Well, no, it's no, great. Because, it's, because it's exactly it's right. So it's it's exactly what we talk a lot Very about. Precious. It's a lot of you know, just on a you know, the work is all about light. Mm-hmm. Light is subject matter in my personal work, mm-hmm. and um, it's it really is about illumination and the fact that the artist's hand is. You don't really see the artist's hand until you look closely, and then you realize, oh, it's done with a brush. Actually, it's not spray painted. So we talk about, and then the I, I thought you were going to bring up the fact that we talk about we, we've the carved importance out a, of of the hand, the human hand. Well, in, we've involved. but we've carved out a space yes. in, in the digital landscape too to build new buildings out there, and it's this thing that we talk about and visualizing. I was getting to it. Were you yes. okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that that you know the digital. Um, sort of uh, platform can be handmade too, you know, with care. Mm-hmm. You know, if we care about something, mm-hmm. we can put yeah. put more meaning into it. Because what's the difference between this one and that one? What's the difference between, you know, the app that takes something from you and, and makes you feel bad for using it because they've figured out how to use psychology to get you to buy more things or look at more things or hit likes versus one that doesn't take something from you, but actually gives you something. What's the difference? Yeah, I mean, it's a hypothetical or intent, rhetorical. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, intent. Mm-hmm. Right that's from the exactly right. Mm-hmm. How yes. it was born. That's mm-hmm. the way I look at it. Like, right. was it? And that's intent. Was it born to do this, or was it born to do that? So, is it handcrafted? Is it yep. handcrafted with love? Yeah, I, I mean, know. I guess what's the difference between the New York Times and you know the Star or whatever? Like magazine i don't know that. one is to titillate one is to inform yeah. right so the intent is is different and we can have different intent in in a digital space as well. so to your question about you know the young people sarah you know i think if we help them focus on intent you know intent to do good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. intent to to do good yeah. in this world yeah. and to ref and to reframe their thinking and to mm-hmm. think about that um mm-hmm. i i think that's it that's where it starts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to write books that serve mm-hmm. as a guide. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so it's important. So, it's yeah, we're important. smiling as you're talking because I can't believe how close all of this, it, you know, like you're, it's like you've been sitting in this in the studio with us we for were last literally, year. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've been here. Completely. No, no, no. It's you know, it's so, like I'm thinking, oh, I'm so just sitting like, here bloviating. They're not paying any attention to me. Oh, no. No, it's like almost like. It's very much our mindset. It's not deja vu. It's like, yeah, were you here when we were talking about this just yesterday or what? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm flattered. I'm honored. Yeah. So, so I know we're going on time, but you know, I'm going to switch it a a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Because we like to ask, you know, Mm -hmm. what do you like to do for fun? What's your? (laughs) Oh yeah, we haven't. We've been. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got us deep into a good Um, world though. um, I own a um, Czech uh, road a bike. And I bike around the lakes. Oh, um, that is fun. My goal this summer is to put f- at least 500 miles on my bike. Um, and I wow. and I sp- and in the wintertime, I spin. And this was the first winter I actually went out and rode 
in the winter time. Oh, yeah, yeah I had to be very, very careful. Mm-hmm. It's and different. don't go as far, mm-hmm. and you, because you have to be careful with the ice and the other pedestrians and stuff like that. But what I do for fun, I love my bike. I yeah. love to bike ride. Um, I love theater. I it, it won't take me anything to like. I'll see something on my come up, and there's a show in town. I'll get dressed, go buy a rush ticket by myself. It's actually much more fun sometimes because you don't have to worry about getting two seats together. And I'll get a seat up front for 20 bucks at the Guthrie and I'll watch a great play. And then if I like it, I can go back and see it again. So I love theater. I um, I love to bike. And I really, really like cooking. Um, yeah. uh, I've uh, kind of cut out a lot of meat. I'm not a straight up vegetarian, somewhat of a pescatarian. I really like fish. Yep. But um, I'm just discovering all these new recipes, all these delicious things you can make with vegetables and mm. without meat. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. That's I awesome. It. Well, it's a great town for theater, that's for sure. Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I, the Guthrie is like probably one of my favorite places in the Twin Cities. Just the way it's positioned, the, the, work, the work that they do. Yeah. It's right there on the river. And that, I actually ride down to the Stone Arch Bridge mm. in the summertime, mm-hmm. and that, that sunset with the water Gorgeous. coming off the dam—that's the best Minnesota has to offer. Yeah, yeah. it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some great views from the Guthrie. Mm. Oh yeah, you know, up on the ninth floor. Uh, yeah, that yellow Fantastic. box up there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. got our. We did a quick photo shoot. What was it? Two years ago. Yeah, a couple years ago. And someone's ago, like, yeah. "Oh, is that your new office?" So no, it's the Guthrie. I know. <laughs> like, it's oh, the Guthrie. And that yeah. restaurant down there, that's really yummy too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love. It is. Yeah, I love. I love. 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 I spend. I love. Love. Love theater. I love theater. I actually was uh, Minnesota State Art Board grantee, and I um, got asked to assistant direct a show on the ninth floor at the Guthrie oh, about oh, two years fun. ago, and that was a very pivotal. Like, I kind of circled back around in my theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's it was, good. It was a fantastic experience. So you were in theater in high school. And too? college. And yeah. college, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, uh, and I did some work at, I, I was Hello Dolly. I was Dolly, you know, Dolly. Mm-hmm. And I fantasize about playing that role again sometimes. Because <laughs> uh, I'm now the age that she would have been, right? Um, I uh, was Benita and Raising the Sun at Penumbra. I was uh, Luda Bell and Pearly Victorious. Uh-huh. Oh, um, I was in Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have a minor in theater arts. So, I, I mean, the thought was when I was in college, and my advisor called me and she says, if you don't pick a major, you're going to be in school forever. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much money your parents have. I don't know how much money you got. <laughs> but you need to decide what it is you're going to do. And so, because I was taking dual courses in theater and journalism. And I thought at that time, if I pick theater... I can't necessarily circle back around to journalism. But if I pick journalism, maybe one day I could circle mm, back around the mm-hmm. theater. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. Sure, and they're complimentary. It's true. Really oh, the whole yeah. performance, yeah. being in front of people, oratory yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's hence what you're doing right now. I mean, in front of people mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. And so, because of that, I'm a bit of an introvert. I need to just like hunker down into a quiet space. Don't call me. Don't knock on my door. Don't come see me. <laughs> yeah. And I, I need time to, to recharge. Re- yeah. I absolutely yeah. have to yeah. do it. Well, I was thinking about that too. Like just the fact that, you know, you're giving so much of mm-hmm. yourself and opening yourself up all at the same time. I mean, you know, then, you know, you probably do need some alone time. I take a, I, I spend a great deal of time in, I actually talk about solitude and the the healing power of, of well, solitude self-care. and med- it is self care. Yeah. Poli- solitude and meditation, just to sort of hear yourself think. Um, 
and to calm yourself think sometimes right that's the hardest thing for me is to quiet my mind and you know and i know that i've done it when an idea will come and i'll journal it or i'll have a breakthrough of course that's what that was of course that's how i feel about that you know after moments of just sitting with tea i love tea i'll sit in my fireplace in my big fat comfy chair that i have and i just sit in dead silence and center myself and i think Jim, that's yeah. what allows me to be so giving, to be mm-hmm. so forthright, to be so vulnerable in front of people because I've taken care of myself mm-hmm. in right. those quiet spaces. Mm-hmm. 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 If that's I was key. around noise all the time, I wouldn't be able to do this work, I don't think. Right. Well, I think people talk about being introverted or extroverted as if they're like mutually exclusive of one another. And I think it's more like they're yin and yang to each mm-hmm. other, kind of within each of us. There's a part that allows you to be extroverted at times to get accomplished some things and then requires you to be introverted. And granted, people can have a little more of one and a little less of the other or something sometimes, but they're really... I heard this term called ambivert. Ambivert. Mm. Oh, I don't know that. I don't know if... I don't know that one either. I don't know if it exists, but it's what you're speaking of, that you possess both qualities. Oh, well, I don't, mm. I don't, I don't uh, know if that exists or not. I, I heard it. We can look it up. Somebody's sure. probably Googling it now as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do we do have, a fact we check. Need ha- we need <laughs> fact <laughs> check. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do but, need a fact But that's a good, I would like to know well, whether we'll or not that. Amber, yeah. we'll look yeah. it up. Huh. Okay. Well, um, before we, before we stop here, uh, is there anything, I mean, you've done a really good job of uh, putting some positive things out, and I think Thank people you. have a good idea of of kind of where you're at and how to find you but is there anything you want to sort of promote a little bit where can they find your book my book is on amazon and barnes and noble Mm -hmm. it's called um pockets of joy deciding to be happy choosing to be free it continues to crack uh amazon's top bestseller list 100 bestseller list in multiple categories years after uh, you know it came out in 2017 i continue to crack the top 100 bestseller list in like the divorce category and television performer category uh, parenting category so that's really been just an amazing amazing gift that very cool something i wrote so long not a little while ago continues to do well commercially so um i'm very proud of the book the work that I put into it, I uh, I labored over every word, and my editors kept telling me, "Let it go, let it go," and I wouldn't. <laughs> and so finally, one editor said to me, "It was some great quote, and I forget the philosopher who said it, but art is never complete, only abandoned." Yeah. Oh yeah. And when they told me that, I let the book go. <laughs> um, and but every time I sign a book, every time. You know, somebody talks to me about Pockets of Joy. I feel very proud of the work that I put into it. Uh, it's, I, I, I made it the absolute best that I yeah. could be. And so the fact that it continues to do well, it continues to sell, that it's on in all these major outlets um, has just been a real blessing, and I'm really grateful of that. So, yes, I'm Roxanne Battle. My book is called Pockets of Joy, Deciding to be Happy, Choosing to be Free. Great. Perfect. Well, thank you, Roxanne. This is great. Has, Thanks for contributing, you're gonna ha- Yes, thank you for thank contributing. You for you're going to have our... to come back. So we. Yeah. I would you're welcome you. anytime. Yes. You guys are my new buddies. You gave me tea <laughs> You and are our you're, new you're... buddies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't really, Uh-oh. you might not know this no, yet, we but, can be, but we we're can not easy, really Jim. letting you go. So. We can be pests sometimes. Yeah. 
Right. Uh, no, we take, like we take it seriously. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be cautious with our new friendship, but we're very, very fortunate to have had yes. you in. The we pleasure are. is all mine. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andalin and other legacy projects, visit the website at andalin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care.